0: Good morning, everybody. Oh, uh, Let's do that again. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Oh, that's a little better. Um, hey, we are starting a new series today. It's actually our Christmas series called Searching. And today we're searching for a miracle. But I guess the big question is, do you believe in miracles? Well, we'll, we'll find out. Now, uh, maybe some of you know where that phrase do You Believe in Miracles? became most famous. It was February 22, 1980. How many of y'all were not born in 1980? Okay, so some of you, it would be hard for you to remember this unless you saw it on a video somewhere, and I've got that for you as well. But that day, the U.S. Hockey Olympic team played the Russian Hockey Olympic team in Lake Placid, New York. Now, the Russians were considered unbeatable. They were the reigning world champions. They had won five out of the last six Olympic gold medals. I mean, the Russian team was made up of professional players who had tons of experience. The American team was the youngest team in the Olympics. In fact, the Russians had just beaten the American team, the same team, 10 to 3, three days before the Olympics began. So it's easy to see why the Russians would sort of underestimate the American team, which was, again, made up of very young players who did not have much international experience. But the American team played very well that day. In fact, they were unbelievable, inspired. The game was tied 2-2 to after the first period. The Russians led 3-2 to two after the second period and then the unthinkable happened. The Americans scored two goals in the third period and they took the lead. As the last minute of that game ticked off, the Americans held on to this four to three lead. And this against the odds lead prompted the great sportscaster Al Michaels to say a line that has become one of the most iconic sports lines of all times. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Look at this. Wow, what a great memory. How many of you remember watching that? Anybody here remember watching that? What a great time. Um, What a great moment in sports history, and especially American sports history. But a miracle? No. An unlikely win? Yes. Against the odds win? Yes. But not a miracle. What is a miracle? Now, Webster's Dictionary defines miracle this way, an extraordinary event manifesting divine intervention in human affairs. Some of you know who C.S. Lewis is, the great Christian author. Once he explained that a miracle is something unique that breaks a pattern so expected and established, we hardly consider the possibility that it could be broken. He went on to say if for thousands of years a woman can become pregnant only by sexual intercourse with a man, then if she were to become pregnant without a man, that would be a miracle. Now, even the skeptics would agree what a miracle is. Skeptic and philosopher David Hume spoke famously about miracles, but he defined them as this, a transgression of a law of nature, "...by a particular volition of the deity or by the interposition of some invisible agent." That's a long way of saying God intervening in the affairs of man. Now, he doesn't believe in God, but that was what his definition of a miracle would be if he believed in them. Now, we can basically agree with Hume on that definition... Again, probably the closest standard that we can all come to and settle on. Simply put, a miracle is when something beyond explanation of nature or science occurs. It goes against what we would consider natural laws. Now, there are many people who don't believe in the supernatural world. They believe that nature and science can explain everything, or that nothing occurs outside the realm of natural science. And so many people struggle believing that Christmas, the story of Christmas, ever happened. They doubt that a virgin could give birth, or that angels even exist. Now the whole concept of Christmas much less God, seems unbelievable to them. In an article for Christianity Today, Rebecca McLaughlin writes, I just read my four-year-old the story of the angel Gabriel meeting with Mary. I tried not to panic when she said, I don't believe that. Think think about your four-year-old saying that. Well, do you believe that God made you? She said, yes, I believe that. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Yes. And that he rose from the grave? She said, yes. And after some gentle probing, it turned out, it was really just the angel that she didn't buy. (laughs) But nonetheless, my daughter isn't alone in her natural skepticism about the supernatural. When we stop to think about it, Christmas stretches our credulity. It comes complete with an angel appearing, A virgin conceiving, a star guiding, and heavenly hosts singing. How can rational, scientifically literate, 21st century people like us believe such things when even a child finds them hard to take? However, to believe in the God of the Bible who created the universe and not to believe in miracles is rather obtuse. It would be like my daughter believing that her dad could make bread from scratch, which he can, but that he couldn't toast a Pop-Tart. Good illustration. In fact, she goes on, if you are a Christian, you are already signed up to believe that the universe and everyone in it is God's handiwork. Physicist John Fing says... What is truly amazing about the Christian faith is the idea that God made the universe from quarks to galaxies, but at the same time cared enough about us to be born as a human being, to come down, to die, to be crucified in the person of Jesus, and to bring forgiveness and new life to broken people. Amen. Christians believe in Christmas and all its supernatural glory because miracles aren't hard for God. Amen? Now, in our text today, we discover some people who weren't looking for a miracle, but they were invited to witness one. And I would suggest that often when it comes to miracles, that is, God intervening in the affairs of man... God invites us to witness something amazing so that we can go tell the world the wonders of our God. And friends, this is the big idea for the message today. God invites us to believe in His ability to do more than we can imagine. Do you believe that God can do more than you can imagine? That is miraculous when God intervenes in the affairs of man. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You know, that story is very familiar to us as we read it. You know, we, we understand the shepherds were just doing what shepherds do. They were out in their flocks, watching over their herds, making sure no predators came to attack them or to kill them. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that very ordinary night, something extraordinary happened. Without warning, and suddenly, an angel appears to them. Now, I think we would all be a little terrified, wouldn't we? In fact, isn't it interesting, every time we see an angel pop up in the stories of Scripture, everybody's scared every time they see them. And the angel's always saying, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, I'm here from God. I don't know, some people might still be scared after hearing that. The supernatural world was invading the natural world. Something out of the norm was about to take place. And again, the angel tried to calm their spirits by telling them, don't be afraid, don't worry. And then he told them that they were VIPs. Now, shepherds were not VIPs. But that night, these shepherds in that field were the special guests of God to witness the miracle of Him coming into the world as a man, the birth of a Savior. Now, I don't imagine these shepherds had ever been invited to a royal palace for any occasion. I don't imagine they ever received a request to join the king for any celebration. But at that moment, messengers of Almighty God were inviting them to attend A most joyous celebration. In fact, as far as we know, they were the only outsiders to be there. The only ones invited. If they accepted the invitation just over the hill in Bethlehem, they would see a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Now this is not the way other royal babies are born. We get that, right? And from the natural eye, it would seem like just another commoner's child being born into the world. But there was much more to this birth than met the eye. We know that the mother had never had sexual relationships with a man. We know that her betrothed husband was not really the father. In fact, the woman was pregnant with the Son of God. That, my friends, is not natural. It never happened before, and it's never happened since. A virgin does not get pregnant. And yet, that's exactly what happened with Mary. Now, do you believe in miracles? Yes. The conception of Jesus was certainly miraculous. Now, as the shepherds contemplated what to do, a a choir of angels began to praise God, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And at that point, I mean, if, if the one angel wasn't enough to convince them, then all of a sudden the whole chorus of angels, the shepherds were convinced that something out of this world was taking place. And I don't know about you, but if I was one of them, I would not want to regret missing that, Right? When you've been invited to something special, you don't want to live your life saying to yourself, Man, I wish I had gone. That would have been such an experience. No, they weren't going to miss it for anything. So they searched over that hill and down into Bethlehem to discover the miracle the angels had told them about. And what they witnessed was exactly as the angel had told them. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby. And I'm sure, even though the scripture doesn't tell us, that they worshipped him. I'm sure that they were thankful that God let them in on this very special occasion. They were just common shepherds. They were sort of the, uh, the, the lower end of the economic ladder in that culture. But this was a miraculous event that God invited them to attend. Their search led them to Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And they left telling anyone and everyone about what they had seen and heard. Friends, God does move in mysterious ways. And often it is when we least expect it. Have you discovered that in your life? When you think about Christmas, you think about miracles. You know, there, there are several miracles, and, and I don't know that I can even recount all of them, but, you know, certainly we, the virgin birth, once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. Someone might say, well, a virgin could give birth today. You know, we have all kinds of different scientific medical ways to impregnate a woman. I guess you could say that. But I want you to remember that this was way before medical science had gotten to that point. And she was not impregnated by a man. But this was actually prophesied by Isaiah about 700 years before Jesus was ever born. In Isaiah 7, 14, we read, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a son. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Now, not only is that a miracle, but just the idea that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. Again, the concept of God coming to earth in the flesh. In Colossians 2, 9, we read, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. That is miraculous. Miraculous. That is certainly the supernatural coming in and intervening in the affairs of man. In Hebrews 2.17, for this reason, he had to be made like them, that is human, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Yes, God became flesh. Jesus was fully man and he was fully God. And then when you think about all of the fulfillment of prophecy that had to take place with Jesus, when you look at not just his birth but the entirety of his life and even of his death, you realize that Jesus fulfilled every messianic prophecy about the Messiah. What are the chances of that happening? Well, I can actually tell you, according to uh, smarter people than me, what the chances of that happening are. In mathematical terms, the chances are 10 to the 157th power. What does that mean? Well it means that there would be a 10 with 157 zeros after it. That estimate was worked out by over 12 different mathematics classes with over 600 students. And that is so astronomical that the professor said, any man who rejects Christ as the Son of God is rejecting a fact proved perhaps more absolutely than of any other fact in the world. I would consider this miraculous because no other man in the history of the world has ever done this or ever will do this. So it is outside of the natural order of things. And then think about this. God revealing His plans to man. Would you say that's God intervening in the affairs of man? I would. We see angels coming and speaking to Mary and Joseph. First telling them of God's plans, then warning them to escape to Herod. Then coming back and telling them it's okay to go back, but don't go where they were at. Go go back to Nazareth. We see the angels speaking to Zechariah and Elizabeth, Elizabeth being Mary's cousin. And they were the parents of John the Baptist. We see angels here in our story speaking to the shepherds. And then we see wise men from hundreds of miles away learning of the birth of this king. This is before cell phones. This is even before a telegraph. Okay, um, So they learned of this and they traveled up to two years to get to Bethlehem. We see God reveal the identity of Jesus to an old worshiper named Simeon who was holding on to life long enough to see the consolation of Israel. When Mary and Joseph brought Jesus into the temple when he was eight days old to be circumcised, Simeon came up and he held Jesus in his arms. And he praised God, and he said this, recorded in Luke 2, 29, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. In other words, I'm ready to die. I've seen it all. Thank you, God, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He followed this up with a prophecy as well, verses 34 and 35. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. The fact that God revealed this to Simeon is beyond what natural law would call for. That is God speaking from the supernatural world into our natural world. God did the same thing with the elderly prophetess named Anna. In verses 36 through 38, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher, She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them, and this is while they were there at the temple to have Jesus circumcised, she came up to them at that very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So think about it, friends. Just the idea that God would speak to man, that a supernatural God, the creator of the universe, would speak to a natural man, this is miraculous. It is miraculous because the scientific world has no explanation for a supernatural God. God speaking to man is beyond the natural laws. We believe in Christmas. We believe what Scripture tells us about Christmas because it's not too much for God to do. Amen? It has nothing to do with an old fat guy with a beard handing out gifts. It has nothing to do with all the hoopla that our culture makes it out to be. The true message of Christmas is that God miraculously sent His Son to dwell among men and that God revealed this plan to man. Those shepherds searched for that miracle and they found Him in a manger. I want you to think about the miracle of life, the miracles that we see maybe even today. Now there are some who believe that miracles ceased many years ago. For instance, there are some who would claim that when we received the canon of Scripture, that miracles stopped. And we don't need miracles anymore because we have the Word of God. On the other extreme, some people see miracles in everything. What some people call miracles, I would suggest, may not actually be miracles like the U.S. hockey team winning. They are merely things occurring according to the law, the natural laws of nature. We could view something as miraculous that is simply within the realm of natural laws. For instance, birth itself is often called a miracle. Now, the fact that we have life at all on this planet, we could say is miraculous. I mean, God created, that was God intervening. But... As C.S. Lewis said, this is something that God set in order. It's a natural order of things that God created. And, you know, women give birth. That's a part of the natural order. Now, some might say it's a miracle, Tim, that you ever got married. I, I, I might say, okay, I get that. Christie is my miracle. That, that's, that's it right there. Thank you. Thank you, honey. I see you over there. You're smiling. That's good. Some would say that, you know, uh, every time someone gets over a sickness and they're able to get out of the hospital or something, that that's a miracle. Look, and I do believe that God does intervene, that God does hear our prayers on behalf of those that are sick, but many times God may use the medical profession, medicines that God has provided through nature to help us get over sickness and disease. So it's not always that God is somehow doing something miraculous to heal a person. Some might say it's a miracle that that team beat the other team. For instance, my friend Ronnie Willard, Professor Ronnie Willard from MACU, said that some people would regard the Redskins winning the last four games a miracle in sports. Okay? Here's my man over here. And I I reminded him that it would actually be a miracle if the Redskins won, since there is no such team playing in the NFL now. (laughs) But there are a lot of things people call miracles that, again, aren't really miraculous. So we should be cautious about what we throw around as being miracles. But to say that miracles can't or don't happen anymore is also to be blind to the truth. Biblical miracles involved uh, several aspects, but again, I think David Hume's definition is a good one. A transgression of a law of nature by a particular volition of the deity. Think about that. Do miracles happen today? Does God still intervene in the affairs of man? Now, When I was a young Christian, I was taught that no miracles could happen today, that when the Bible became the canon of Scripture, we have all we need, and we do have all we need within the Scripture for us to find God and to have a relationship with Jesus and to be saved. But do you think that maybe God can still use miracles to reach into the lives of people, to open up their hearts to His love, and even to show people in places where there is little faith in God that God is real? I do. As I have learned and observed, I have come to believe that miracles can happen today, and they do. The God of Scripture has not stopped intervening in the affairs of man. Do we believe in demon possession? How many of you would say you believe in demon possession? Anybody here say you believe? I believe that demons didn't stop doing their thing when Jesus died on the cross and rose again. So I believe that demons still possess people. I have seen it in third world countries. If a demon possession is still occurring, would God leave us powerless against it? I don't think so. I can't imagine that he would. So if there is such a thing as demon possession and such a thing as casting out demons, would that qualify as miraculous? I would say so on both ends of it. Because on the one end, you have an evil, demonic force which is supernatural, possessing a person, and on the other hand, you have God, a benevolent God, who is reaching down and he is casting out that demon. Man doesn't cast out demons by himself. It is only by the power of God. So this would have to involve a supernatural intervention into our natural world. You know, an additional example would be of people like in Muslim countries having dreams about Jesus which lead them to seek his true identity as the Son of God, not just another prophet. Um, Now, we don't know why God would, you know, call one Muslim and give them a dream and not give others a dream. But maybe it's so that that person will find Christ and then tell others. When you think about the shepherds, I mean, there are thousands of shepherds in Israel, but only the shepherds in that field were the ones who were told. And they're the ones who went out to tell others. So... God does work in those ways. When I was in Africa a couple of years ago, and I've shared this before, uh, but if you're sort of new to the church, you would never have heard this. But when I was in Africa several years ago, um, in Togo, uh, by the way, and by the way, make sure you make it to our Togo Christmas tree and help uh, support that important work there in Togo, okay? Heidi would love to talk with you about that out there. But I asked Dela if she would have her prayer warrior ladies pray for several people. And and I asked her if they would pray for my brother, Mike. Now, one of the women, Victoria, and she is a prayer warrior. She saw a vision while she was praying for Mike. Now, I know that some people, oh, I don't believe in that stuff. But this was on Tuesday. So I asked Dela Monday... Uh, can y'all pray on Tuesday for my brother uh, and others? And they prayed on Tuesday. Wednesday morning, the law comes in and she tells me that Victoria saw a blood clot in my brother's heart. And I'm thinking to myself, now that's not really what I was wanting you to pray about, but okay, okay. I don't know what that means, but I'll accept that. Later that day, I FaceTimed Christy, who was up in the hospital room with Elaine and Ben, my sister and her husband. She had just had some surgery, and so I was talking to them, checking on how she was doing, and in the course of that conversation, they said, oh, by the way, your brother Mike has to have a catheterization tomorrow. I'm like, wow, Victoria, that must have been what she saw. Maybe she doesn't know the difference between a blood clot and a catheterization. Who cares? She's in a third world country. But hey, you know, that's, that's amazing. She would have seen this. She saw that on Tuesday. He's having that on Thursday. Amazing. And I shared that with them. And then they were pretty amazed. I informed my brother, too. And so Thursday comes. He goes in for the catheterization. They do the catheterization. And he asked them at the end of it, he said, Should I be hurting? Should I be in pain? They said, No. And they went back in. They discovered they had nicked something. And blood was forming in his heart. And guess what? A blood clot was formed in my brother's heart. Okay. (laughs) Now, Now you explain that. That happened Thursday. She saw it Tuesday. Would you call that an intervention of God? That God is revealing something to someone totally unknowledgeable about my brother. She'd never met him, never talked to him. I didn't even know he was going to need this. But God revealed something to us. And I think maybe just to encourage our faith in Him so that we know He knows us and He knows what's happening. In March 2015, Lynn Jennifer Grossbeck, 25, lost control of her car and she landed in the icy Spanish Fork River in Utah. Fourteen hours later, first responders found her 18-month-old daughter, Lily in her car seat hanging upside down just above the frigid river water. Now, prior to finding Lily, both police officers and firefighters report that they heard an adult voice yell, Help me! from inside that car. But that mother was dead. There was no other adult around the rescuers still can't explain the voice or how that little girl survived hanging upside down for 14 hours in freezing temperature without being dressed for the cold. But I think I know the answer. It's something that atheists and non-believers have no explanation for. But I think we all know. God intervened. And I share these examples because we certainly see things that science and natural laws do not explain. And while everything that people call miracles don't really measure up to what a real miracle is, we cannot deny that God does often intervene in the affairs of man. Possibly the greatest miracle of all is that we can have our sins forgiven and the Holy Spirit dwell in us as Christians. The question I have for you is this. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Do you need a miracle? I don't know what you need. But let's put it this way. Do you need the intervention of God in your life? Do you need God to move in a powerful way? To change some situation that you're in? I say pray. See God's solution to your problems. Remember, the greatest miracle has already occurred for all of us. God came to earth as a man, and He gave His life so that we could have life. The shepherd's search led them to Jesus, and I hope that your search will lead you to Jesus as well. You see, when you give your life over to Him, your soul will be saved. And you will have the promise that no matter what you're going through in this life, you can know it's all going to be okay. If you haven't already, I hope that you'll make that decision today. Father, we praise you for intervening in the affairs of man. We're so grateful when you reveal your power and wisdom and love uh, in so many different ways. But even as we see miracles, even today, The greatest miracle in my mind and heart being Jesus, being born of a virgin, coming in the flesh, living a perfect life, dying on a cross for us, and being raised from that tomb. And this gives us hope. And we know that you are able to intervene in our lives today. So, Father, there are many people out here hurting today. People watching online, people here in this room people across our country we just saw the horrible stuff about tornadoes ripping through Kentucky and other states out there and so Father I, I just lift up those people and I pray for your intervention in their lives and, and possibly you already did intervene to spare we pray for those that have lost loved ones we, we pray for those to whom Christmas is not always a happy time And we lift them up to you, Lord. And we pray that they would focus on what you have done for them and what you can do for them. May they experience your love in a powerful way. We pray for the doubters, the non-believers, the atheists, that somehow you could break through that wall of unbelief. Maybe use us in that process. And may we, like those shepherds, search for what your word has revealed to us. May we go and tell all who will listen. In Jesus' name.